0: This is Relentless Daring on Podbean.com. Welcome to the Land of Bourbon and Bad Decisions. This is Relentless Daring live on Podbean.com and the Podbean app. Um, so before I really get into it, um, I know what says up here and what this show is about for those of you listening on podcast I shall read it. What the hell has happened to the military? Looking at US involvement in training Mexican cartel paramilitaries and the War on Warriors. Also Glock wins one for the good guys and the effects of paying people not to work. As I was getting everything set for the show, I was finding all <laughs> sorts of more stupid ads for the show. So, I am still going to hit on that, but like I said, the other stupid has to be addressed. But first, I got to pay some bills, y'all. So, with everything getting absolutely insane right now, you have to be ready for any eventuality. So, that means in the event of emergency, if the economy goes to crap like it's looking at, like it may, do I have food? Uh, Do I have stuff in the car in case of an accident or a breakdown? You know, first aid supplies. These are things you have to worry about, especially in these these trying times. So, go to MyPatriotSupply.com, use the link in the show notes, go there, and you can get food supplies. You can get First aid kits. You can get water purifiers. These are all sorts of things that make surviving in an out and out emergency absolutely uh, doable. As I said you can get food supplies, thirty days, six months, a year, and they're nice airtight plastic totes. If your house floods, they're not going to sink; they'll float. You'll be able to get a hold of them. Keeps your food dry. You're going to keep the bugs out of them. It's absolute great stuff. Anyways, my page supply, check it out in the show notes. They still haven't given me a landing page. One of these days, one of these days. But it be what be. Again, my page supply, check it out in the show notes. All right. So before I get into what I had planned on. So, if you haven't been following the news out of our neighbors to the north up in there in Canadian land, there has been an amazing pastor who has come to really the forefront of the war on, on the war for religious liberty. You see, in the frozen tundra of Canadian land, they have taken the covid fascism to an ungodly to an ungodly degree. To the point where they are literally arresting pastors in the middle of the street for quote inciting people to go to church and this one especially you may have seen his Easter video where he was calling the police and the health inspectors trying to come into the church on Easter Sunday Gestapo and Nazis well today after his Saturday service uh, Pastor Arter Pulaski a Polish immigrant who grew up under the, the Soviet bloc government of Poland. He finished up his service and was driving home and he was swatted. He was, his car was surrounded by a SWAT team and he was drug out in the middle of the road. They If you've seen the video of his arrest, he is literally in the road. Cars are still driving by. They didn't even shut down the road. And now this video, it's almost like a hostage video because it has been edited to have uh, Pastor Pavlosky talking over it at one point. But yeah, he is literally on his knees in the middle of the road, hands behind his head and he's not even being asked to put his hands behind his back they're just grabbing his arms and like it almost looks like they're about to twist his shoulders out of the socket it's ridiculous yeah and, and and he is yelling at you know whoever's there with him while he's being arrested to make sure they're recording it's and, he, and he's still the calling them Gestapo. Arturo, Arturo, it's if amazing. You're watching this video, that means they have successfully arrested me and I am in jail. If you would like to support me, if you would like to support Rebel News and the legal team that is trying their best to get me out of this trouble, please go to com. Please donate. Please help. Help me. Help my family. Help my. Yeah, and, and it goes on, and you know, the, the com. If you want to help his legal defense, please, by all means, support it. I have reached out to Ezra Levant. Uh, he is the founder of Rebel News. I would love to talk with him about all this. And the here's what's even crazier. They don't even pick him up and allow him to walk to the police car. They literally have one man, one arm under each of his shoulders and dragging him to the police car. It's, 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 it's disgusting. It, it really is. And coming back down here on the state side of things, uh, it has just come out, you know, as of yesterday, um, as far as free speech goes, this is a, uh, from daily wire A Maryland judge bans thin blue line clothing for court employees. A Maryland District Court chief judge on Wednesday banned court employees from wearing apparel with thin blue line designs, which are typically worn to show support for law enforcement. Chief Judge John P. Morrissey sent an email on Wednesday informing all court employees of the new policy, which bans face masks and other clothing depicting thin blue line, Baltimore Sun reported. The judge cited concerns about the perception of bias or favoritism if the court employees display the emblem. Quote, The judiciary must maintain itself as an unbiased and independent branch of Maryland state government. Employees of the district court wearing any clothing item or apparel which promotes or displays the logo, sticker, pen, patch, slogan, or sign which may be perceived as showing bias or favoritism to a particular group of people could undermine the district court's mission of fair, efficient, and effective justice for all and calling the Aries' obligation obligations remain impartial and unbiased. It does not go. Yeah, uh, Kim points out in the chat that they didn't ban BLM though. Yeah, they they don't ban BLM. Why is it? Oh, you see, they're they're an oppressed the people, so we we can't just say no. You can't have a BLM BLM stuff. If we said you can't have that, oh, it, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, uh, Steve points out that the uh, the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, banned BLM and other similar clothing and demonstrations at Tokyo this summer. Yes, the the Summer Olympics, twenty 2020 twenty, in twenty twenty one. It's uh, it's getting unbearable. And so, <laughs> Kim, Kim, possibly 2022? Well, then they're going to be running into the Winter Olympics. And the summer, winter, they never get along. It's always a huge street brawl whenever they get together. I think they're trying to keep them as separated as possible. <laughs> uh, Libertarian Ninja... Only if the Olympics happen. All right, so getting to the first real big thing that I was planning on talking about tonight, and that is what the hell is going on with our military. Because we've known forever that our military. Pretty princess Steve, uh, how do we unsubscribe from this free trial of communism? I don't like this. Kim asks, "Is there a number we can call?" Well, that's interesting. Uh, you can, you always hit that call in button. Maybe, maybe I'll see it and pick up the, yeah, quote pick up the phone. So, I said, our government has always had a bad habit of. Not necessarily picking the right people to support or to train. And this all started way back in the, well, I say the 80s. <laughs> oh, pardon me. Oh, the pollen's been in the air. My mouth stuffed up. I can't really talk good. But <sighs> um, really in the 80s with military training... We started picking some real doozies that we we're going to uh, help train. For instance, we started uh, sending Stinger missiles over to Afghanistan to uh, to help the those wonderful, wonderful Mujahideen fight our arch nemesis, the Soviet Union. Meanwhile, on this side of the globe, fighting proxy wars, we started training super-duper high-speed uh, paratroopers in Mexico. Do-do-do-do. Yeah, early in the 80s, we started, uh, started training... Uh, one of the real elite forces in Mexico, so they could fight drug cartels. We started training the elite special forces in Guatemala to fight the communist regime, and then they they turned around and started started killing all the wrong people. Oh my goodness! Um, and really, a lot of these uh, these uh, high speed soldiers that we were training, you know, that we were bringing, we were importing them to Fort Bragg. It used to be called the School of, School of the Americas, and then they changed it to some other god awful name that I'm not even going to dig through and try to find find it. But it's still the same thing. Yeah, we're going to bring in these people. We're going to train counterinsurgency and counter-narcotic and blah, 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 blah. And we're going to use them to fight our war on drugs in Mexico and Colombia and all these other places. And then what happens is, you know what? The federales... The government, the military of our home country is so corrupt and it pays so little. I can take this unique skill set that has been given to me by the U.S. government and I can take it to the Los Zetas or all of these other other cartels in Mexico and I'm going to fight for them they pay better it's absolutely ridiculous and then uh, our Pentagon sitting there scratching their heads we don't know what happened there <laughs> uh, let's see Adrian Slade welcome to the live chat Adrian He says, I think Jeffy fought communism in Grenada or the 10-hour Falkland Island skirmish. (laughs) Yeah, well, the reason that Grenada was 18 minutes of hell was that uh, Jeffy, he made landfall, and it uh, tipped over and uh, capsized to, quote, Certain congressmen out of this great state of Georgia, Hank Johnson, I'm looking in your direction for that one. But it, it's absolutely ridiculous that so we willingly train the wrong people. We don't stop and think second, third order effects when we're training people who are engaged in act actively in a civil war, that maybe they're going to start killing all the, the Mayans who live in their country because they support the wrong party. Uh, uh, the gray zone has an amazing article on this. I'm going to share the link in the show notes but i I couldn't try to read the entire article for this episode because it would be, end up being like three episodes to get through all of it it it's I mean, they've really put in some work. I have no idea you know anything about their political leanings, but the article itself is really good um. Also if you check out the stuff they don't want you to know podcast about the school of the Americas that episode that's another one and and these guys I will give uh stuff they don't want you to know they are definitely left of center but they do their they really do their homework on some of these things and when they go into the school of Americas and You know, all that training that went from being used to, you know, support our interest in these proxy wars on our side of the ocean and how it ended up that training going into these, into the hands of these mass murderers. But again, while we have all of this going on, and all these things coming to light that our government has done that's really worked against us and our allies, we also have a war on our soldiers themselves. You know, know, the new SecDef, retired General Austin, you know, he's instituted... This plan that, oh, we're going to have a stand down and we're going to root out the right wing extremists. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. What why why do they have to be extremists? Are these people who are Donald Trump voters who are in the military? Are these right wing extremists? People who just don't maybe they did vote for Joe Biden, but they're going, uh Dude, everything that the president's doing, I'm sorry if it's really noisy. I'm trying to take an ankle brace off here, and lots of Velcro involved. Um, But, yeah, they're trying to force all these people out because they don't want to have a military that's, you know, going to go, whoa, um, yeah, this is really against that whole our oath of enlistment. They want people who are going to do the indefensible Nazi defense of, uh, we're just following orders. (laughs) Steve's an ankle bracelet. The the Gestapo got you too. Maybe I'm not allowed to talk about it. Those records are sealed. But, and then over the past, uh, I'm going to say 20 years because since the, uh, war on terror started our own government has been going against our war fighters the the, those people who are willing to put their lives on the line for this country i won't lie in 2011 when i went to afghanistan i was worried i was going to have to make decisions of Do I get carried by six or tried by 12? Because is this action going to result in me being tried as a war criminal? Uh, Here, just, just last month, this is from Army Times and... Those wonderful, wonderful journalists at the Army Times are not necessarily a bastion of right-wing conservatism. Some I don't know how people who hate the military seem to write about the military in all of these uh, Army Times, Navy Times, Air Force Times, all that garbage. Headline, Gunfight at Syrian Checkpoint Leads to Charges Against Sergeant First Class. A rare gunfight between U.S. paratroopers and pro Syrian regime forces last summer has led to charges against a senior enlisted soldier assigned to the 82nd Airborne Division at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. The clash occurred near Tal al Zahab in the Syria's northeast, where a tenuous U.S. military presence has guarded lucrative oil fields and chased lingering Islamic State fighters. <laughs> And notice, it is actually highlighted as a hyperlink for lucrative oil fields. Which really tells you, what's the mission in Syria? Is it really the Islamic State? Or are we protecting financial interest? Altercations with local militias and Russian forces last year highlighted the unpredictable nature of the mission there. And at least one incident followed soldiers home. Sergeant First Class Robert Nickerson of Black Horse Troop, 1st Squadron, 73rd Cavalry Regiment, which I think this is the same cavalry regiment where a young lieutenant spent two years in prison for war crimes that he was later pardoned of by Donald Trump. I don't have that right off the top of my head, but the unit sounds familiar. There was charged in early April with two counts of failure to obey a lawful order, two counts of reckless endangerment, one count of communicating threats, and three counts of obstructing justice. The charges stem from a roughly ten minute gunfight that erupted at a pro Syrian regime checkpoint august 17, twenty twenty. The exchange reportedly killed one Syrian fighter and wounded two others. There were no U.S. casualties. A portion of the gunfight was caught on video, though it does not show how it began. After, quote, receiving safe passage from pro-regime forces, the Americans came under small arms fire from individuals in the vicinity of the checkpoint and returned fire in self-defense, Operation Inherent Resolve officials said in a statement at the time. Eight months later, OAR spokesman Colonel Wayne Murado declined to comment on an investigation into the incident. The U.S.-led coalition, quote, cannot comment on any allegations that are under investigation or the subject of current or pending court martial charges, he told the Army Times. The charges against Nickerson allege that he put soldiers into a situation that they shouldn't have been in, and made threats against pro Syrian regime forces at the checkpoint before the gunfight started, according to Nixon's civilian defense attorney, Philip Stackhouse. Quote, soldiers were told to stay two kilometers away from particular Syrian forces, but the missions that Nixon was part of presumably took them within two kilometers of those, Syri- of those Syrian forces. There was also a platoon commander leading the patrol, Stackhouse added. But that soldier only received a general officer memorandum of reprimand, a.k.a. a GOMAR, following the incident. His platoon commander was there. In fact, his platoon commander was in one of the more lead vehicles, and Nixon's vehicle was in the trail vehicle. The platoon commander is not charged, so why are they charging Nickson? A spokesman for the 82nd Airborne Division, Lieutenant Colonel Mike Burns, confirmed that only Nick has faced charges but declined to comment on the platoon leader's situation. Burns also declined to provide charge sheets and added that allegations are not limited to one incident. Oh, so they could be finding all sorts of crap. But the checkpoint gunfight is at the crux of the allegations. The clash occurred in an area where a cluster of tribal villages remained loyal to Russian-backed Syrian President Bashar al-Assad. According to Nicholas Haras, a senior analyst at Washington's New Line's Institute for Strategy and Policy. That pocket of regime control has existed since the start of the Syrian civil war, and the U.S. forces would have been well aware of it. It is quite possible that this was a floating checkpoint and that the local that the local regime alignment was decided to set up to harass the Americans at a time of tension between U.S. and Russian forces. When the patrol encountered the checkpoint, the platoon leader was speaking with higher headquarters while Nixon interacted with pro-regime forces through an interpreter, according to Stackhouse. OAR officials said that after the incident, the U.S. patrol was cleared to pass through before they were fired on. As gunfight unfolded, Nixon and other soldiers left their trucks to draw fire away from a gunner who needed to reload a crew serve weapon, according to the narrative by the nonprofit group United American Patriots. That nonprofit supported Nixon and has become well known for advocating on behalf of U.S. troops accused of convicted accused or convicted of war crimes, including Clint Lawrence and Eddie Gallagher. Now I did a show on Eddie Gallagher. Uh, a refresher on him. He was accused of stabbing and murdering an an Islamic State fighter who was wounded, and then taking a picture with his corpse. And, however, it came out in trial that, yeah, you know, there was a apparently helmet cam footage that showed him rendering aid to the wounded fighter who died of his injuries and not being stabbed to death. As was alleged, there was also, he was also alleged to have been taking pot shots with a Barrett 50 Cal at, you know, civilians and children. Yet, uh, the injuries alleged that he would have caused. Yeah, they wouldn't have happened with the 50 Cal because it's a freaking 50 Cal. But he w- he was later acquitted of all charges except one. And that was that horrible, horrible, horrible war crime of posing in a photo with a dead fighter. Of all the horrible things that he was acquitted on, the only thing they could prove was that yes, there is a picture of him with the dead guy. Great. And Clint Lawrence, he he's the one who I'm pretty sure is in the same unit <laughs> that this this shenanigans happened with. Nicholson isn't facing allegations that he acted inappropriately once combat started. But what they're alleging is that Nixon sort of prospectively threatened the forces at the checkpoint that if they shot or attacked the Americans, harm would come to them. I, I don't that I don't think that's making a threat. I think that's making a promise. Y'all do realize if you shoot at us, we will shoot back. Just want to make that perfectly clear. Remember, if you decide to take a shot at us. You better be saying inshallah in the process, because <laughs> yeah, God better will your survival. Being there to begin with, they're saying is reckless endangerment. But again, if number one, if it's a floating checkpoint, if there's gonna like, hey, the Americans are over there, let's go set up a checkpoint so we can screw with them. That's not really putting them in the. Dangerous area. That's not re- reckless endangerment. And besides, who is in charge? Yes, he is the platoon sergeant. He is the senior non commissioned officer for that group of soldiers. However, it's the LT's mission. And as has already been pointed out, the LT was reprimanded with a Gomar. Oh, he got a, you were naughty memorandum slapped in his file that, uh, his career's done. We'll put it at that, but they're charging the NCO who was probably following the LT's orders. They're charging him with the crime. It's like Clint with a uh, Clint Lawrence, Clint Lawrence, however you say it he was charged with a number of crimes, including ordering soldiers to fire indiscriminately at a village yet to get these soldiers who were shooting at said village, as they alleged he ordered to, they had to immunize those soldiers because by testifying, yeah, he orders to shoot at it and we did. They'd be violating their Fifth Amendment rights. If, if you're a soldier and you're deployed to Afghanistan and you're still there right now, or you're deployed to Iraq, Syria, wherever you are in the world, you have to be asking yourself, do I really want to take this shot right now? When I was over there, we, we had a situation where, you know, if we drive our trucks past a certain point, they're going to plant a bomb. And we know they would do this because they've done it before. So we laid in an ambush. Three guys, well, two guys come out to the edge of the road with shovels, and they start digging. It's okay, we have guys digging on the side of the road. I'm a gunner in a truck. I'm listening to this entire conversation on the radio. Then all of a sudden, dude on motorcycle rolls up and drops what appears to be a big red jug into the hole. The LT told the machine gun crew and the sniper who was overwatching this position, that is positive ID, shoot them so guess what? They did their jobs. They did their jobs incredibly well, and then we all had a good laugh as the ANA soldiers who were with us had the body bags with the dude's remains in them, and put him in the back of a small Humvee, and well, the hatch wouldn't close, so it was like It was like Afghan trampoline, jumping up and down on the hatch of that Humvee, trying to get to close, but the dead bodies just kept popping it open. (sighs) Ah, those were the good old days. I'm going to take a quick break, and I will be right back. This is Tyler from Relentless Daring, and I am launching the brand new RelentlessDaring.com merch shop. Instead of having to go to a third-party vendor now, you can do everything right there at RelentlessDaring.com. If you want to buy merch, go to RelentlessDaring.com shop, and there you can get hats, you can get t-shirts, you can get hoodies, you can get coffee cups, you can get stickers. Go there today to show your love for the Relentless Daring podcast, and as always, stay relentless. All right, so getting back into things. I don't even know where to start next. Oh, so <laughs> Kim says, no, no more finger tap dancing. Yes, I figured out what I need to do. So my bump music and, you know, intermission breaks play on the live stream. So I can take it, take a sip of whiskey and, you know, you know, Kind of relax the vocal cords for just a second. So, one of the great stories that I have discovered, if I can get the stupid thing to load on my phone. Alright, so, as we know, one of the greatest things that the left loves to use against the uh, second amendment is lawfare. They take laws that they have determined to be okay. This is a protection, but we're going to use it. We're going to turn around on them. Well, uh, we're going to use this as grounds to go after something or other. Well, th- in this case, uh, this is from Washington Washington Examiner, Glock wins and Biden loses in major liability suit. God didn't deliver for President Joe Biden, who recently begged the Lord to help him erase the congressionally approved immunity that gun makers have from lawsuits. In a little known decision from with a major impact on the firearms industry, a federal judge in Arizona has ruled in favor of pistol manufacturer Glock and dismissed a suit brought by the Brady Campaign to prevent gun violence on behalf of a man who was accidentally shot and paralyzed. <laughs> US District-, District Court Judge Susan Burnovich upheld liability immunity granted in the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act, passed in 2005 to block gunmakers from potential wave of industry-killing lawsuits. Bernovich, nominated by former President Donald Trump and the wife of Arizona Attorney General Mark Bernovich, dismissed multiple claims in the suit that the act's protections were illegal, writing, quote, The statute is constitutional. While she made her decision in mid-March, it's just now winning attention as Biden and top congressional Democrats begin a campaign to impose new gun control restrictions and end liability immunity for gun makers. "The dismissal of this case is welcome news and demonstrates the importance of protection of lawful commerce and arms act," end quote, says Mark Oliver spokesperson or spokesman of the Industry Trade Group the National Shooting Sports Foundation these attempts to hold manufacturers responsible for the criminal and negligent misuse of firearms are misguided and are attempts at legislation through litigation the PLCAA was passed with bipartisan majority in both chambers of Congress to keep activists from attempting to bankrupt firearms manufacturers by tying them up in court with unfounded claims, and this demonstrates why protecting this legislation against attacks by President Biden and gun control factions in Congress is critical. Last month, Biden falsely claimed that the firearms industry is, quote, the only industry in America that can't be sued, and he called for divine intervention to end that. During a Rose Garden event, he said, This is the only outfit that is exempt from being sued. If I can get one thing on my list, if the Lord came down and said, Joe, you get one of these. Give me that one. He added, because I tell you what, there'd be a come to the Lord moment for these folks that would have real quickly. Uh, The suit was filed against Glock, an Austrian gunmaker, on behalf of Carlos Travieso Travieso Jr., who was in a car, with others returning from a church retreat in 2018. Another teenager found the 9mm pistol in the car and apparently thought it was safe because the magazine holding the bullets was missing. (laughs) Kim says, Tyler, more pudding. yes. Yes indeed. Old oh, puddin Joe. So teenagers find a gun in a car. Oh there's no magazine in it. Ah uh, this is perfectly safe. What what do you mean check the chamber? I've never heard of such a thing. However, there was a bullet in the chamber, when, and when she pulled the trigger, she played a stupid game. And young, young Mr. Travieso won a stupid prize and was left paralyzed. The suit charged that Glock, the number one firearms manufacturer in the United States or er, in U.S. sales. Did not have adequate safety features on the gun, warning they live round was in the chamber. <laughs> Steve, let me guess, they didn't check the chamber. Guess what? Your stupidity is not the fault of the manufacturer! Agreed! Let's see, uh, the pistol does have a chamber indicator, but the suit said the gun was defective because it did not include other warnings or safeties. It has, it has the safe action trigger. There's a number of things that have to happen in subsequent order for that weapon to fire. You have the trigger safety. It's literally built into the trigger. You have to pull it in to start the ball rolling to be able to pull the trigger which which lifts the which lifts the uh, sa- the safety block that raises the firing pin up in front of the striker and then there's a third third action that allows the striker to actually fire. Not that I've studied a Glock because I've only had a Glock for like five years. Glock said it was covered by the Immunity Act because the shooting was indeed a criminal act, an act of criminal negligence. All of it told Secrets, this is an example of lawyers attempting to put the blame for negligent use of a firearm on the manufacturer. The facts of the case are clear. The negligent mishandling of a firearm resulted in tragic effects. There was no defect in the product, design flaw, and as opinion clearly notes, claims of warning notifications do not make for a claim of product defect. Bernovich agreed with Glock in her victory for the Second Amendment. She also knows that even the liberal U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals has repeatedly rejected challenges to immunity for gun makers. Quote, a fair reading of the PLCAA shows that Congress intended the scope of its its preemption to include claims like the plaintiffs. The PLCAA's plain text extends preemption to plaintiffs' tort and products' liability claims. It's unambiguous terms bar any civil cause of action, regardless of the underlying theory when a plaintiff's injury results from the criminal or unlawful misuse of the person or a third party, unless a specific exception applies, she wrote. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there's uh, lots of talk in the uh, live chat here about uh, rule number one, treat every gun as if it were loaded even if you know it isn't. Libertarian just said, I just had that conversation with my kids while they were shooting BB guns. Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. I've had that same conversation. And one of those conversations was very hard to have because my darling son has autism. He's very, 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 very high-functioning. However... There are certain things that seem to evade his grasp such as yes I know it's not loaded but treat it like it like it is it that one took some talking to and some real real heavy heavy burden on me trying to get that point across because it's not that he doesn't get it. It's just that I know it's not loaded. So if I point it at you and I know it's not loaded, it's there there's a, there's a logic gap that's kind of hard to bridge sometimes and yep you know, like trying to get him to show his work in math. Well, I I can look at it and I can tell you the the answer is this. Why do I have to show my work? There's a question. Here's the answer. Why do I have to show how I got it? It just is. Believe me, this is a fun conversation. Thank God it was only BB gun, but I finally got through to him. It was, that was a rough one. But yeah, it's (laughs) lady die. Math is racist. Oh, my goodness. So, the last thing I was wanting to look at here before I go. So, last week, the uh, the jobs numbers came out for April. You know, and a lot of predictions were saying, well, we're going to add a million jobs. A million jobs. Well, <laughs> we fell short by just a smidge. Look, they hope to add a million jobs. We added uh, 266,000. The U.S. economy added a mere 266,000 jobs last month. Forecasters have floated gains close to 1 million, making this the biggest miss relative to expectations in decades. And and, and this article is from Axios. Axios isn't exactly, um, centrist. They tend to lean just a little left. Oh, I I wish I had the sounder on my board. Just a bit outside. Little Harry Doyle. All right. So why it matters Uh, It's a major setback for the hopes of speedy labor market recovery alongside America's great reopening. (laughs) I love that they're pushing that great reopening. Adding to the pain, job gains in March were revised lower. As to what they're saying, uh, Justin Wolfers, uh, an economist, tweeted, this is a big miss that changes how we think about the recovery. You think? Uh, labor force grew significantly, a counterpoint to the narrative that generous unemployment checks keep are keeping Americans out of the workforce. Um uh, yeah. Labor force grew significantly, but the unemployment rate is still 6.1%. However, the broadest measure of unemployment, Yeah, where do you start including the underemployed? Yeah, that one fell from 10.7% unemployment to 10.4%. Marks reacted with elation, pricing in a Fed fed that continues to to press hard on the accelerator for the foreseeable future because, oh, wow, we have less people uh, work working and paying in taxes. We'll just keep printing dollars like it's nothing. And they can completely take off the fact that, and discount the fact that government or federal government giving people money to stay at home. When, especially if you live in a place with a low cost of living, therefore, a low un, or a low minimum wage. You know, you know, if your state pays the federal minimum wage of what $7.25 an hour, I think is what it is right now. If you got laid off because of COVID, and so now you're getting whatever amount that is. Plus extra federal government funds while you're home from COVID, you could be make you could be going from making 300 dollars dollars a week to making six, seven, eight hundred dollars a week. I think in Missouri it was up to nine hundred dollars a week on unemployment. Oh my God. <clears throat> so it's like me, I I would take, I would take huge pay cut if I got laid off. And even with the, even with the extra money, because I work, you know, 50 to 60 hours a week and the lady dies, she says she has not missed a day of work during COVID. I missed two weeks worth of work because somebody in this household had to so rudely go and contract COVID and make us all stay home for two weeks. And then, to make matters worse, she only had to be home for 10 days on quarantine and then went back to work. And I was stuck at home for another five freaking days. Kids were driving me crazy. But hey, at least I got paid for 40 hours each of those weeks. Didn't even get my overtime made up. They paid me the. Minimum, er. But I digress. The federal government has done one of those things where I, I'm pretty sure that if I did this as a you know private citizen, where I go through and I smash windows, and then graciously offer my services to replace said smashed windows. I'm pretty sure I would go to jail. Yet the government come in, smash all the windows they want, and, oh, sorry about smashing your window here. Here, let me pay you for that. Let me install the new window. They can do it. And no one says a damn thing. It, it's ridiculous. They're, they're taking a problem. And, and making it worse. It it really reminds me of the old Lewis Black joke. A Republican stands up in Congress and says, I have a shitty idea. And then a Democrat stand up and says, and I can make it shittier. I mean, that's just going on. It's just they're taking something bad and then making it even worse. And it's all... Trying to deal with the situation they caused. And even it's not the federal government causing it. The state governments are causing it. I.E. Michigan. Pennsylvania. California. New York. New Jersey. Every other crazy leftist state. Comes in all power hungry and. We're going to control your lives. And. Then they destroy people's lives, destroy people's livelihoods. And then here comes, and here comes the benevolent federal government. Here, we're going to help you out. We're going to give you this extra money. And I know you're not working right now. We're going to give you this extra money. And if you choose not to go to work because you won't be making as much with the extra money, and then the analysts look at these job numbers and go, Uh, yeah, we've expanded the jobs market." Now uh, this whole idea that they're uh, that people are getting paid to stay home is dumb. Well, dude, where I work, they are offering a five hundred dollar sign on bonus. They're offering employees a $400 finder's fee. Or I'm sorry, a referral fee. If someone comes in and says, yeah, yeah, Bob. Yeah, Bob told me about a job here. I want to apply for it. And then they get the job. Bob gets $400. This clown, he's going to get $100 every so often for the next, over the next year just to, you know, so then he doesn't get his $500 in his first paycheck and then decided not to come back in a lady die says this is what i think it is the ultimate plan keep people dependent yeah this is how they're going to try to push ubi well i make more money just sitting here collecting my unemployment check than uh going to work so why should i go to work It's the same thing that happened in, I don't know, Plymouth, Jamestown, Reunion, Texas, where, you know, Jamestown and Plymouth were like a proto-socialism, a proto-communism, where, well, we're just going to, we're going to collect up all the harvest and then we're going to distribute it out to everybody else everybody and then you know they realize that hey i cannot work as hard and all my crop failed but hey it's cool i'm still going to get the same as everybody else and then you know reunion texas that was an actual attempt at a socialist utopia in the united states that failed miserably but if you ask the commies well, it failed because there was capitalism all around, and capitalism is a perverting effect on socialism. No, it's because socialism sucks. They realized they couldn't make it with socialism, so they left. Ugh. And then they built a damn tower in the middle of Dallas recognizing all oh, the sacrifices of those of those wonderful people at at La Reunion. Ugh socialists and utopia are an oxymoron. Not really because you translate utopia from Greek to English, it means nowhere. So socialism works exactly the one place that utopia describes—nowhere. Real socialism never been tried. Pretty princess, Steve, sneaking in at the last second. All right, I'm gonna have to wrap this up. I've been going for a little bit longer than I've planned on. But, hey, again, those of you listening live, thanks for joining me in the chat room. Those of you who are streaming this on your favorite podcast app, if you are using Apple Podcasts, please ask four things. Number one, subscribe, please. Those, subscri- those subscription numbers, they really help. Number two, they have a rating, preferably five stars. I will accept four three we I maybe I'll accept three um you might have to convince me with a really good review but I'm looking for five we'll definitely take four maybe three then as I said write a review don't get crazy with it you know embellish it a little bit if you need to that way as it pops up as a suggested podcast for someone looking for a conservative talk, they go, hey, this is seems to be well rated. Check those reviews out. And well, generally, people seem to like what he has to say, except that one guy. There's always that one. And finally, number four, please share this podcast. You know, tweet the link of this episode out on, on the Twitters, share it on social media, you know, the, the Facebooks, the Insta chats, the Snapgrams, whatever you use. Please share it. Get it out there. Send it to somebody who you think will like this show. Send it to somebody who you think will hate this show. I will gladly, gladly be a tool for your spreading of hate and discontent amongst your crazy liberal friends. It won't hurt my feelings, although it might hurt theirs. It's cool. I still love them, and so does God, whether they believe in God or not. Anywho, that's going to wrap it up. Again, if you want to support the show, go to relentlessdaring.com and you can stream back episodes of the show. You can stream episodes of the Whiskey Pod. Do episodes are in the works. It just takes some time to do it. Also, you can buy merch or you can go to the top of the page and you will see a donate button. Click that little button and you will get be given the opportunity to donate money to keep this show on the air. You can do a one-time donation. You can set up a recurring donation. Either or, again, it, it, it all goes to keeping the show on the air, buying new equipment, upgrading equipment, updating equipment, updating software, those are important things that have to be done to keep this show coming to you, paying my subscription fees for the website for podcasts. podcast. so it's all that is It of inside baseball there, but it all goes to making this a better experience for you, the listener. Again, thank you so very much for listening, and as always, Stay relentless. This is Relentless Dairy on Podbean.com. Planning for your next trip?